one of the things that I just continually just repeats in my head is one of the greatest attributes of God is his mercy. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Bulletin, the official podcast of St. Anthony of Padua. My name is Nate Hoffman. I am the Communication and Development Coordinator here at St. Anthony's. And today, I am once again joined by Mary Beatty with a new title, our Coordinator of Annulments. How's it going, Mary? It's good. I'm happy to be here. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Last time I talked about marriages, now I'm here talking about annulments. Wow, full full circle. (laughs) Full circle. Yeah, last time you were on, we were trying to figure out if you would... If you had zero kids or three kids, yeah, yep. we determined that last time you were on this podcast, you had one kid. I had one kid. Yes. And now she will be two in a couple of weeks. Unbelievable. And in that time, I also had twins. So twins. I have three girls under the age of two. That's so, uh, um, wild. Wow. Yes, yes. It is a fun, fun trip. You just take it one day at a time. Yeah, so your husband went from being one man of, you know, in a family of three to yep. one man in a family of five. Yes, we have a very large male dog. So. Oh, good. Yes, yes. So That's he's nice a little for, companion, yeah. Good for Kevin. Yeah, because we've got four girls in the house now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, how, what is that? How is, what are twins like? Like, what, give us an insight into, like, now you have twins. What do you, how do you carry them around? Uh, you become very creative, I guess, in how you hold them. <laughs> and having twins makes you realize that you can't really break them. And oh, um, <laughs> I love to hear that. <laughs> you really can't break them, and I'm I'm grateful that we had Claire first, our first daughter, um, because then we're not afraid of the newborn phase, um, and it wasn't a whole lot of first. It was just a matter of okay, now there's two of them. We knew what to do, but it was two of them. So you just take turns, and you just have to have a lot of patience, which God thinks He's very funny in testing me in that. So um, have you ever? stacked the twins yes <laughs> like jangled them to yeah. like better carry them around yes i felt them stacked like that that's very funny. they're still little they're only like three months old so yeah. they they were like five pounds when they were born each so they maybe are like 12 pounds each now they're not that big so you oh can still stack gosh. them but if they, when they get bigger i won't stack them anyway mary you're back I am back. You're in a different position at mm-hmm. St. Anthony's. Mm-hmm. You used to do, I think, everything. <laughs> no, not everything, but I was in charge of uh, adult faith formation and sacraments. So I did all the adult ministries and then um, all the adult sacraments. So RCIA, marriages, um, annulments was still part of my job at that point, um, adult confirmation. And now I am part-time and I'm doing annulments and a few other things so that's kind of my main thing is annulments right now annulments so you got started in annulments prior to you know doing this most of your with most of your times you're already dabbling in it yes 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 and you've done tell tell us about that like how did you like not get sucked into it but get started in it yeah how did you get started like we'll have mary do the annulments yeah and and tell us about that so adult sacraments just all kind of blend together because you do rcia you have um convalidations, you have marriages, you need annulments. Um, Adults' lives are just very messy. And so to get them on the right sacramental path, you have to kind of go through um, a few steps, I guess you could say. So in 2019, I started 
working with actually Deacon Mike Mort and kind of shadowing him on some of the annulments in his meetings. And he would, you know, he trained me a lot and talked to me a lot about him, you know, and, and walking me through the paperwork. And then in January of 2020, I started the annulment case sponsor training um, with the archdiocese. So I will say a plug here. I am not a canon lawyer. Um, hopefully one day will be. Yeah, That's what I was going to say. Hopefully one day will be. I, um, there's only one canon law school in the United States and it's in Washington, DC. And I would have to either spend one year in DC in residence there, or I'd have to spend my summers, like three summers in DC. And with three little kids, it's kind of difficult. Kevin can work. Yeah, Kevin can do it. Um, There's one in Canada, right? Canada. And then I think in Mexico, I think there's one in Mexico. Both would be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that's like in your, on your radar. I would love to do that. It's just, um, I would have to get my master's first and then I would go to Canon law school. So um franciscans just giving them out yeah yeah i could just go do it all online so i'm not a canon lawyer and i am just an annulment case sponsor so i walk and journey with people through the annulment process i do not determine anything on the annulments i do not you know determine any grounds i simply just help people through it answer their questions and navigate this mysterious process that nobody knows about. <laughs> well, yeah. So speaking of that, let's just define it for, for folks. What is an annulment? And what is it not? <laughs> okay. What is it? Well, it's, it's not a Catholic divorce. That's yeah. the basic thing. Yep. Um, so it's to not get myself in trouble. I actually, can I read off the definition? Yeah, so you have of a an very, uh, a piece of paper with a very small font, uh, no. lots of things underlined. <laughs> no. Well, first, you've got to look at um, marriage and what marriage actually is and what the church defines marriage as. So this is from the Code of Canon Law, uh, 1055, paragraph 1, and it states, by which a man and a woman establish between themselves a partnership of the whole of life and which is ordered by its nature to the good of the spouses and to the procreation and education of offspring. So really, it's... Uh, to the good of the spouses and the procreation and education of offspring. And so this is, I was reading through this because I was like, I know Nate's going to ask me what is the definition of an annulment and I don't want to get in trouble with the tribunal. Tribunal. <laughs> so, yeah. Even this yeah. like tribunal is a very heavy word. Yes, like, Metropolitan Tribunal oh of Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston. Kind of sounds like a, like a supervillain team. Like yes. the Avengers would be facing the tribunal. Somehow. Yes. Yeah, it's a bunch of canon lawyers down there. They're really nice. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, they're great. I love them. Okay, so this is what an annulment is from the church. Hopefully this explains it. Okay. Every marriage from its beginning is presumed to be valid. Thus, it is binding until the death of one of the spouses. With every presumption, the opposite may be true. If sufficient evidence shows that a particular marriage is invalid, the original presumption of validity no longer holds. Mary, I'm so sorry. I have a bloody nose. Oh my goodness. Are you okay? Why do you have a bloody nose? This is the thought of annulling my marriage. We will return shortly. Am I boring you that much that you just had to get out of here? You said, oh gosh, my nose is bleeding. Is it still recording? It is still recording, so we got all of that. Uh, Are you okay? I'm fine. Can you just start reading <laughs> again? Yeah. Okay, let me... Okay. All right. Hopefully, I can get through this without you having another bloody nose. <clears throat> this is from the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, and I'm reading it directly from them. Every marriage from its beginning is presumed to be valid. 
Okay, so every marriage is presumed to be valid. Thus, it is binding until the death of one of the spouses. With every presumption, the opposite may be true, so it may be invalid. If sufficient evidence shows that a particular marriage is invalid, the original presumption of validity no longer holds. So if you have enough evidence to prove that it was not valid, then it becomes invalid. But we presume that every marriage is valid. Does that make sense? Mm. Okay. The quality of the spouse's consent given at the time of the marriage ceremony is extremely important. And so in the Catholic marriage ceremony, the consent is also another name for the vows. Mm -hmm. So your vows that you say. The I do's. Yes, the I do's. So it's really, really important. Um, If a person did not fully comprehend the nature of marriage prior to giving their consent or did not freely give their consent or did not intend marriage as understood by the church, i.e., they did not intend permanence, fidelity, openness to children, etc., or was not capable of fulfilling the rights and duties of marriage, then that person entered into a relationship that lacked the key elements of marriage understood by the Catholic Church. So the consent is really, really important. And so if you um, did not fully comprehend what you were doing, you did not, you were pressured into it, you... um, you know, you did not give your consent freely, or you did not intend permanence, fidelity, and openness to children, then it's lacking the key elements of what marriage should be. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Lots of interesting things there that I have questions about. Okay, let me finish this. Okay, go ahead. Thus, when a marriage does not reflect this understanding, then it is considered invalid or null, N-U-L-L. When it can be substantiated through the nullity process that a specific marriage is invalid, then the church can issue a declaration of nullity, stating the original presumption of validity from the beginning of the marriage was incorrect. The church is not declaring a new reality, but a reality that actually existed from the beginning. What is new is that the presumption of validity from the beginning is now declared incorrect. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, I think so. Okay. I have questions. Okay. Hopefully I can answer them. So the gist of an an annulment states that the promise between the two spouses Mm -hmm. was invalid or not complete. Right. Something was missing from that promise and therefore no sacrament could have occurred. Yes. Um, What if something, what what if say I was, uh, I was not, I changed my mind on... Uh, not me. I'm gonna. I'm not. I'm gonna stop saying me. I got married. There yeah. Go. Yeah. I know. You, I, I yeah. I say that on every podcast. You should. You should be good to. Uh, <laughs> so, all right. Let's say someone uh, gets married and they're mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, I'm gonna say all this stuff, but I don't really intend to have kids. Uh, I don't want to. I don't even want to have kids, even mm-hmm. if I could. You know." Mm-hmm. And then they change their mind ten years later and they say, "You know what? I will." So that kind of it. it from my mind, it's like so the sacrament was not valid at the time because. Yeah, I because mean, we, they they didn't you know. Their, their promise was not complete. And then they changed their mind. Does that go retroactively all of a sudden? Now their marriage is the valid? marriage is valid? Well, every marriage is presumed valid unless until you um, prove evidence that it's not valid. Okay. So unless that person is like going through a tribunal and saying, was I invalid in my thinking of this? Oh, right, right, right. So, you know. I it, guess I'm it, thinking in terms of like the grace of marriage. You know, how like yeah. God can God is not limited by sacrament you know yeah. even if you have a even if you had an invalid marriage somehow mm-hmm. god could still bestow grace mm-hmm. into yeah. the marriage yeah god you know god works in 
a lot of ways that we don't know. Right. Uh, um, just so like so the comprehension of the the nature yes, of vows. You yes, know, that, that yes. must be a big one. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be pretty not easy. Maybe not the right word, but I would think that often someone might come to you and say like, "My I didn't realize this about marriage," or "My husband mm-hmm. never realized that it, they, this was." what they were promising. Right, right. You know, and, yeah. and that is that often the grounds for an yes. annulment? Yes. So defect of consent. So um that Okay, so let me back. Can I backtrack just a little of bit? Course. Bigger picture here. So that is the nature of an annulment is you're looking at um that a marriage is invalid and there's ways to prove that a marriage is invalid. So there's four types of annulments. Um, and that is the biggest thing that a lot of people don't know. Um, the most popular one or one of the most popular ones is the formal petition. And this is what most people know. It's like the long one where you answer a bunch of questions. It takes a long time, you know, um, and you have to go into your story. So that is the formal petition, which I'll go into in a second. The other one, um, and you in the formal petition, you were looking at their consent and what they, um, what their mindset was, what their understanding of marriage was, um, and so that is the formal petition. Then you have the lack of form petition, which Catholics fill out. So um, a sacrament makes up form and matter. Um, those are the two things that make up a sacrament. Form and, and matter. Which one's form and which one's matter? I don't know off the top of my head right now. <laughs> We'd have to look that up. That's funny. Um, I know. So uh, one is the words and one is the action. Yes. Right? Yeah. I always get them mixed up. So I'm, you know, if I say something, it'll probably be wrong. Okay. So I, it's one of the, one of the two. Um, but in so when you file a lack of form, you are lacking the form of the sacrament. Therefore, you were not married in the church. So if a Catholic is not married in the church, they're not married validly. Um, so it's proven invalid at that point. So it's automatic because it's automatically invalid because okay. it was not the sacrament was not performed correctly, right? I see. So if I was married at the courthouse or something, sure. yep, yep. So um, that is um, so a lot of Catholics. If you're not married in the church, um, that's okay. Go get a convalidation um, and receive the sacrament of marriage, so you can continue to receive the other sacraments of communion and reconciliation. Um, so that is the annulment that I see very often is the lack of form. So if you were not married in the church, that's um, very easily granted because it is just by principle, it's invalid. Do we do that here at St. Anthony's, these yes. convalidations? We do convalidations, yes. Great. Yeah. So Great. So a lot of, lot of convalidations. So, so, the two, so there's four types of um, annulments, the formal, the lack of form, the prior bond. So... Um, Proving that your ex-spouse was previously married before you. Oh, wow. And that's a lot harder to prove. I've done it once. You have to get um, cooperation from your ex-spouse, and that's a lot more difficult. Um, so that is prior bond, and then the last one is privilege of faith, and that's between two unbaptized people. There's a lot of requirements for that one, and I've never done one of those. But I've done a lot of formals and a lot of lack of forms. Um so that's kind of the big picture of it. And I had a point to that, and now I cannot remember no, why right. I backed up. I <laughs> what guess were you I, asking me? I want to get into, <laughs> as you're saying all this, I'm, I, and talking about even examples from annulments that you've granted, it's hitting me that the, these are marriages. Yes. You know, these are 
two people who are coming yes. to the church and, and yes. had a you know a great bond. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they had a you know, sacramental marriage, mm-hmm. they obviously were very much in love, mm-hmm. and they're they're uh, they're coming to you to mm-hmm. annul that mm-hmm. bond, that that marriage. And mm-hmm. I would say usually something really bad happened, and they are going through yeah. something very difficult. Yeah. Um, what is what's that like for you as someone who um, takes these calls and takes these meetings uh, with mm-hmm. probably very difficult circumstances, right? Yes, yeah. What's that like for you as as, as like a recipient as you're sitting there and having to and, and li- getting to listen to these stories? Mm-hmm. One, I'm very honored that people come to the church um, because it takes a lot of courage for people to come and do that. There's a lot of people who are embarrassed or ashamed. Um, of past marriages or past mistakes that they made. Um, but I find it is one of the greatest sources of hope and healing that the church can offer. Um, because working with adults, I've, I've worked here for six years now and I've worked with a lot of adults and adults lives are very, very messy. And, um, one of the things that I just continually just repeats in my head is one of the greatest attributes of God is his mercy. And God is so merciful, and we need to treat people with mercy. Um, So when I meet people, they are very ashamed of their mistakes and their past. Um, And, you know, it clearly didn't work out. They come to me when they're divorced, and, you know, it's been 10 years since they've been divorced or 30 years or, you know, last year or whatever, and they're already divorced. And so I'm not there to condemn them for their decisions or for what they did or didn't do in that marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not blaming anybody. But what I'm helping them do is look at their marriage and say, okay, what was missing? What um, prevented you guys from entering into a true sacramental marriage, a true marriage the way God intended it to be? And there's always a lot of elements that are missing. There's always a lot of things that... um, you know, that you couldn't fully give your consent to, that you didn't know the obligations of marriage. You didn't know what it truly meant. Um, you're, you're not capable of living out marriage as God intended it to be. So through the formal process, you're looking at consent and you are looking at everything around the consent, um, leading up to it, after it, to decide if it was valid or invalid. Um, so that's the biggest thing is you look at consent and canon law defines the grounds, uh, for lack of consent. How, how hard is it for folks to think back 30 years? It, 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 to, it to, is you know, tough. It is mi- tough. Set a state of mind around that. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some things that they don't remember. Um, but the questions that it asks you, it makes you really think and really, reflect back on those times and you know it it was a big part of your time I mean marriage is a huge thing divorce is a huge thing and so you remember those things you remember certain things I have had people who don't remember their spouse's birthdays or certain things like that they kind of it's been a while or because they're yeah it really wasn't that long (laughs) they just kind of blocked it out actually so you kind of block out certain things like that so that you just tell your story the best you know, to the best of your ability at that point. And you have witnesses who can write testimony as well, you know, at that time. So take us through more of this process. Process? Yeah. So practically what you're going to have is 
more often than not, you come to me and I sit down and I kind of get the facts of, okay, let's look at how many marriages do you have? And sometimes it's two, three. Um, I think the most I've done for one person was three at a time. Um, and then if they are currently remarried, then we have to look at the previous marriages of their current spouse. So some, you know, you, you have maybe four or five marriages that you have to work through for one, you know, couple. So you look at that, you look at, you know, their baptismal status, the sacraments that they received, um, what happened, you know, where the marriage happened, if there's any dispensations, there's a lot of factors that you've kind of got to rule out and figure out to figure out what petition you're going to file. So that's the number one step is to figure out what petition you're going to file. So more often than not, it's going to be a formal petition. Um, and that's a really long one. So at that point, you, um, you know, I, I hear their story. I ask them, you know, just why are you here? Kind of what brought you here today? And it's all sorts of reasons. Um, and then I send them home with homework and they have to, um, they save a Word document um, and they fill in the questions. And so the questions go through, um, which I think is the most interesting and it's incredible, is you go into extensive detail of your background in your childhood um, and what you saw in your parents' marriages um, and your aunts, uncles, grandparents, um, really the tribunal is looking at what is your view of marriage? What is your understanding of it? Did you come from a house where your parents have been married for 50 years in a very loving relationship where they communicated a lot? Or did you come from a very broken home of abusive relationships or non-existent parents? Um, what was their understanding of marriage? And What's the tribunal trying to get at when, when they're, they're asking They're trying to understand questions? what your mindset is going into marriage, what your understanding of marriage is, what your example of marriage is, um, and how that prepared you. I think um, my favorite question in the petition is it asks you, to what extent did your growing up years in the example of your parents' marriages prepare you well or poorly for your own adult life and marriage? Explain. So you gotta you got to really think about Wow. So these questions seem to be setting the, you know, the stage for maybe someone couldn't even comprehend a marriage that lasts yeah. for a, a lifetime. Right. Right. If you right. grew up and your mm -hmm. dad had three mm -hmm. wives or something mm -hmm. and then you're getting married in the Catholic Church at 22. And you don't really understand you're, you're like, what marriage is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, for life. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. But you're not. It, that's not part of your real promise because you don't have literally don't have an experience of that, right? Right, right. So you know we're trying to understand what your knowledge of it is. You know, because one of the you know defects of consent is you you truly do not understand the obligations of marriage. You truly do not understand what you are getting into, per se. Um, huh. So that's a really big thing. Is you know your your childhood, and then you have to answer questions about your ex-spouse's childhood. You don't ask them any of those questions. You answer them based on what you saw. So, um, you know, and they, you ask or you answer the same questions and it asks all sorts of things. Um, and it asks about your dating life. It asks about your um, understanding of sex, understanding of um, relationships, all those things. So it really is just trying to get your mindset and your understanding of it going into it. So after these folks answer all these questions, they right. come back to you, and then and then what happens? So they 
answer all the questions about their childhood, their spouse's childhood, their dating life with their ex-spouse, their engagement, their wedding day, their marriage, and divorce afterward. So it covers everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tell their story. And it asks a lot of intimate questions. Oh, sure. um, and so my job is to go through and I read through all the answers. Um, and I work with them and I talk with them. And so reading through it and say, okay, maybe explain this a little bit better. Or what did you mean by this? Or can you give me another example of this? Or maybe, okay, reword this. Um, you know, because I'm talking to these people and they're telling me their story. But it, you know, people have a hard time articulating it on paper. Um, and so you're really having to articulate your story because the people at the tribunal, the canon lawyers are reading it. They're not listening. They're not you know, they're person. not, they're not a conversation. So that's my job is to, as a case sponsor is to walk them through that. So I get to know a lot of intimate details about people and, um, I've heard everything at this point. <laughs> wow. You're like I've a heard priest a lot. in confessional. <laughs> so people always it's very funny because they're very nervous or embarrassed about certain things. Um, certain people are very modest and, you know, they have a hard time explaining it. And then other people are just a complete open book. And I'm like, I didn't really need to know that part or, you know, so it, um, is helping them tell their story. Mm -hmm. So I get to know them very well and I'm very honored about that. Um, so they answer all these questions. We finalize it you know, make sure everything's answered fully and, you know, it tells the story. And then we collect documents like marriage licenses and divorce decrees and baptismal certificates. So once we collect all those, then um, we meet, we sign the documents, and then I mail them to the tribunal. And at that point, the tribunal receives it. They start the process where they notify the ex-spouse. And this is one of the biggest questions that I get is, no, your ex-spouse does not have to participate in the process. They just have to be notified that it's happening. Oh, wow. Okay. So there is a letter from the tribunal that is sent to them. So you have to have a current mailing address for them, and that's it. So they send them a letter, and they give them three options. One, yes, I want to participate in this process. Two, um, no, I do not want to participate, but I want to know the outcome because it affects them as well. Um, or three, don't contact me again. So if they if they check any of those boxes, right? If if the annulment is granted, is mm-hmm. for both sides. Yes. I mean, could yes. this person go and and take this de- decree of null- nullity, uh-huh. and then go get yes married because it first applies time to them as well. Yes, church, yes, right? yes. Okay. So, um, so people always worry. They're like, oh, he's not going to participate. Oh, he's not going to do this. They just Doesn't have to matter. notify him. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, I'm speaking because I'm a woman. So, um, notify them. Is it usually women who come to you? Um. I would say wise. probably 60% women, 40% men. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think there are more women out there. I think... Yeah, uh, <laughs> in our well, population. <laughs> in the church. I saw a stat once that uh, by the time you're like 60, it's like 70% pop of the population is women. Oh, wow. Because men die earlier. Oh. And, uh, and it, oh maybe, <laughs> That's yeah. just a fun fact okay, for everybody. Okay, I think so as, not... we, as you get older... Part of the reason we only see church old church ladies, that's the stereotype, is there's yes. no old men left. Oh, yeah, I guess so. They all just, you know, become yeah. BFFs. All, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway. So so we send it to the tribunal, so they notify the, the ex-spouse, and then they also send letters to your witnesses. So these are people like family members. You get to pick your witnesses, and they just attest to the fact that they answer a few short answer questions that what you wrote in your petition is actually true because you can write anything you want 
but they kind of verify like, yes, this actually happened or we saw this. Um, so they send that and then it goes to judges and they judge on the case. They, you know, define the grounds and the tribunal notifies you every step of the way, kind of what state in the process or what um, stage it's in. And then they give you whether it's been approved or denied. And then if it's been approved, there's 30 days for appeals. And then after 30 days, if nothing happens, then it's granted. And you have a decree of nullity. A decree of nullity. So that is the process. So the hardest part, I would say, is actually filling out the paperwork. That is the the hardest part. Yeah, just going through all that. Correct. And 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 my, it it is difficult. My goal is to make the process in the paperwork as easy as possible, um, because you don't need to get bogged down with that. But I will not lie to people in telling them that it's hard, and the fact that you have to go back and reflect upon you know, things that are hard and difficult and, you know, really hard times in your life that you have to reflect on and um, kind of dig deep. So that's the hard part. Yeah. That's the hard, that's the part that people really struggle with. Um, I mean, to me, the whole process sounds emotionally exhausting and difficult. <laughs> I've cried a lot with people. <laughs> Why did you, as the coordinator of adult faith formation, you know, part-time communications, mm-hmm. you know, have annulments, mm-hmm. and you wanted to go part-time because you're you've got three yep. kids. Why was it annulments that you were like, I'll, I'll, I'll do the annulments and I'll, I'll give yeah, everyone, back to yeah, the staff. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone's wondering why I kept. Why this. annulments? Why are you drawn to this uh, disposition in the church? I've had a lot of people close to me who've had very terrible experiences with the church in terms of annulments and. I never want that for somebody. Um, I never want somebody to come to me and be turned away from the church because this is the first time that they're coming back in, you know, however many years, or they want to get in a state of grace. And this is the process. And annulments have always been this really taboo, mysterious thing that nobody truly understands. And what I've seen with a lot of people is they may talk to other churches or, you know, years ago they tried to start this process, but it was too difficult. And what I find is a lot of people who try and help people through the annulments don't truly understand the process and don't understand how to help them. So they just kind of push them off, push them off, push them off. So, you know, uh, this one person, she had a lack of form and all she had to do was collect paperwork. And she got pushed off for, I think, like five, six years. Wow. Because nobody understood how to help her. So I truly found that I underst- I it, it, it comes easily to me that I can understand it and I can break down, okay, this is what you need to do. You know, I really understand the whole process. I understand the sacraments um, with adults. And um, I have found it a huge source of healing for people. And I love to journey with people in that. Um, and it brings them a lot of hope because they look back – and there's closure, there's healing from their past marriages and, you know, the hurt that they had. And if I can bring somebody closer to the sacraments, that's that's my main goal. And years ago, when I was in college, I God just told me, like, I need you to bring people to the sacraments. And I said, okay, I'll do whatever it takes. And just 
continually bring people to the sacraments. And so for me, this is a huge way that I can do it. And I love doing it. And I'm working with like 30 or 40 people right now, just actively, you know, um, and, you know, talking with them, walking with them, hearing their story and helping them through this process. And um, one woman, she came into the church and she went through the annulment process as well. And she sat in my office and she's just we were signing the document and she is just just sobbing and she goes, you have no idea. I've been divorced for, I think it was like seven, eight years. She says this, I just feel this huge weight lifted off my shoulders. And I think every divorced person, whether they're Catholic or not, needs to go through this process just for healing purposes so that you can look back on your previous marriage, have closure with it and move forward with your life. And so I think it's just one of the greatest sources of healing in our church. And, um, I absolutely love it and I want to bring people to the sacraments. And so that's why I do it. Well, Mary, on behalf of uh, the staff and everyone here, we're we're glad that you do love to do it. And we're glad of the work that you're doing, uh, in the annulment, um, area for the folks at St. Anthony for these 30 or 40 people. I can't believe it. That, that number. I know. And I will say Nate's office used to be next to mine. And when I would sign an annulment, I would, um, after I walked the person out, I would go stand in Nate's doorway and I would always do like a leg kick up in the air and I would just say, just sign in another annulment. Yeah. And it's, do you it remember was, when yeah. I would do that? Yeah. I was going to say something about that. Uh, your office used to be next to mine and yeah, I can, you have a loud voice, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I Not do. that I could hear. I, it was great that I could never hear what they were saying. Like yes, the, yes, The intimate yes. details that you're talking yes, about. Yes, yeah, yeah. I never heard any of that, but I could hear you asking questions <laughs> all the time. I know. Like, yeah. I just like get right into it. I'm like, so tell me about your, you know, sex life with them. You know, what was the intimacy like? Yeah. Oh, gosh. And, um, you know, so it's just one of those things that people are very confused about, but it is a beautiful process. And I think the church offers so much goodness and so much grace through that and it's hard to understand but it is well it's I funny you, you talk about the the questioning process and having to go through you know intimate details yeah it sounds a little bit like my marriage prep yes it, it reflects a lot of that so when you're pre- getting prepared to get married mm-hmm. here at saint anthony's anyway um you, you go through um, a lot of questioning. Yes. Uh, you're supposed to do a lot of discussions with your spouse about yes. very specific and intimate details, obviously. It's yes. your spouse. And you're supposed to be going through all this and learning exactly what you're promising uh, in a yes. marriage. It's almost like you're making your marriage annulment proof on the front end. You know, like <laughs> yes, you, you're yes, you making sure know, that yes. you know what you're getting into. Yeah, it's serious. Um, and that was. That was a great process for me. It was difficult uh, for for both me and my spouse. At, Do you at times. remember the questions that I asked you and Emily? Yeah, yeah. You had to separate. Can us I? Can me. I? I read them out. Can I read them out to you? Yeah. Okay. This is part of the marriage preparation. This is a prenuptial questionnaire, and every person, every single person, has to answer these questions. But it helps you understand marriage and what you're promising to. And so you have to agree to these. This is the question. Do you understand and agree without any reservations to the nature and obligation of marriage? Namely, do you agree to give yourself sacrificially for the total well-being of each other and the marital partnership? Do you agree to share in marital intercourse since marriage involves a sexual relationship? 
Do you agree to give your spouse the right to have children and to see to their educational upbringing? Do you agree to make an unconditional, permanent commitment lasting until the death of your spouse? Do you agree to be faithful to your spouse? Do you agree to give your consent freely and without any force or pressure from any person or circumstance? And if you say no to any of those, yeah, I'm sorry, not getting married. But that that's like the obligation of marriage, and so you through that process, you have to know what you're agreeing to. And a lot of people don't understand. And so I always joke, I'm like, maybe in 20 years, if I'm still working with people with annulments, maybe I'll write a book, like a marriage advice from an annulment case sponsor, <laughs> like somebody who's worked with a lot of people who've gone through divorce. And um, I think the biggest thing that I see is a lot of people don't understand what marriage truly is about. And they don't know their spouse as well as they think they do. Um, and there's a lot of questions that you've got to go through. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that to any young couples and any couples who are married and haven't talked about this extensively, but you need to talk about your childhood and mm. your expectations of marriage and what you saw. I mean, that's the biggest thing. And what your understanding of relationships are, how you communicate, how you saw your parents communicate, how you communicated with your siblings. You know, like my husband still jokes. He's like, I can definitely tell that you're the youngest child, right? Certain things that I do or certain things that I say, you know, all those dynamics really come into play in marriage and, you know, kind of the ultimate relationship that you have here on earth is marriage, but you have other relationships that are important. So, you know, how did growing up, what was your understanding of that? Um, I think that one of the biggest things that I see is in-laws and families. Um, and you really need to have discussions about that. You need to have discussions about, um, you know, household chores, finances, expectations. Because uh, if you just go in thinking that love's going to fix it all, then that's going to be really hard. No, marriage is hard. It is hard. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you absolutely have to discuss is religion mm -hmm. and your understanding of faith and how you want to raise your children and how you want, because that, that's one of the biggest things that I see in this annulment process is one person becomes more religious than the other. And that, you know, from the beginning, they really didn't care or they found out that that person really doesn't believe in God or doesn't really want to be a certain religion or whatever it may be. But if you come into a mixed marriage, meaning you come from two different religious denominations, you need yeah. to discuss your understanding of religion and how that plays into your marriage. Because really, marriage is impossible without God. And the sacrament, you truly need the sacrament and the graces from it. So, you know, it's really hard whenever somebody wants to raise their family Catholic and then one spouse is you know, like, I don't believe this anymore. I don't want to be Catholic. I don't believe in God. You know, that really causes a huge division in marriages. And so you truly need to have those discussions before you get married. Because I would say over half of the marriages that we do at St. Anthony's are what we call mixed, which is between a Catholic and a non-Catholic, mm -hmm. whether they're baptized or not. And, and the other thing, too, is you got to talk about mental illness, expectations with that, how you're going to handle that. Um, and then one of the biggest things, the other big thing that I see is you really have to discuss children and what your desires, your understanding of it is, your expectations, 
parenting, number of children you want. And, you know, life is really hard in marriages. People have miscarriages. They, you know, something tragic happens, whatever it may be. Those things can really test and challenge a marriage. So to be upfront and to discuss those things. And before I got married, I didn't show any signs of fertility. So I wasn't, my, my doctor said that I really had almost 0% chance of getting pregnant. And so before I got married, Kevin and I had to have a very long discussion of, do you still want to marry me if I can't have children? You know, like if I can't carry my own children, then God laughed at us. And now we have three of right, our own children. Three, right. Three um, under two, right? But we had to have that discussion. And it was like, are we open to adoption um, if I can't carry children? So those are the things that in marriage preparation you need to talk about. Not all the wedding planning and all that. It, it's truly about your life together. Yeah, it's about the marriage, yeah. not the wedding. Yeah. Um, right. And, and yeah. so I, I think that it's it's so interesting because here at St. Anthony's, the sacramental process, so for First Communion, it's a two-year process. You do one year of faith formation, and then you do one year of sacramental preparation for confirmation. Same, confirmation. same thing. So I'm thinking, wow, with marriage, you do marriage preparation, you do a couple classes, Five you do some, couple, yeah, right. yeah, sponsor couple, things like that. And I'm like, this sacrament is for the rest of your life. So you know, I wish we could do. I, I guess, I guess, dating is kind of preparation. It, there's but a sense in which the world should be like marriage prep. Like your, yes. your family should be preparation for marriage and then yes. your single life yeah. should be preparation and then the you know, you should date and get engaged and that's all part of it. Yeah, like, but people a, don't see it that way. No, no, th- but there's a perfect world in which like, I, I was blessed in that I was able to see good marriages growing up and, yeah. and that type yeah. of thing and, and that sort of all goes into mm-hmm. um, your preparation for marriage. But yeah, this whole, I, yeah, I guess it, the, the idea of an annulment. Um, you, were, you were kind of pessimistic about it no maybe that's the wrong word sorry i'm not sure what the right word is it's just i think we can acknowledge that it's because we live in a fallen world that these things have to take place not to speak you know obviously i don't want to speak ill of anyone who's gotten an annulment um Mm -hmm. because i'm there's i'm also glad that you were able to do that you know you were able Mm -hmm, to come through mm -hmm. the church hopefully Mm -hmm. it was a healing Mm -hmm. process um yeah uh, a healing encounter with the church and then you're able to go and and uh, it, maybe get married, yeah, you know, yeah. and, and use the annulment as marriage preparation and know more, know enough to freely give. So, you know, I think about it like confession and, you know, I think we are so sinful, like we so many things and, you know, I could probably sin like 30 times today already and don't even know it. Right. And but we have the sacrament of reconciliation. And we have that opportunity. Like, just imagine if we didn't have that opportunity and we just had to live like this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you, like I, I've had times where I've gone, you know, a long time without confession. And I'm like, man, I really need to go. And it starts to weigh heavy on your soul. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I can tell, like, I'm much more irritable. I'm more, you know, I gossip more. I'm more, you know, impatient, things like that. And I realize I'm like, I need to go to confession because this, this, the weight of these sins are upon me. And so imagine if we didn't have that. And so I think about annulments, like we make mistakes, but I'm not here to judge you on your mistakes. I'm here to say, okay, let's, let's start. And what I, what I tell everybody, and I, I, 
it is a true statement. When somebody sits in my office or I, you know, call them or I'm sitting on Zoom with them, one of the, the thing that I say is I'm happy that you're here. Like today, we are going to start today and everyone's like, I, I should have done this sooner. I should have done this. I should have done that. I should, you know, our whole life could be full of should haves, but let's start today. And how many opportunities do we have for reconciliation and healing and mercy and I think this is just one of the greatest, you know, vessels of mercy that the church has to offer. Good stuff. So I love doing it. Um, don't call me. Email me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I work remotely and I, you know, so if you have questions, please, please email me and yeah. I'd be happy to walk anybody through this process. So. Very good. Well, Mary, thanks for coming on the Thank podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We'll have you again in uh, in two years when you have four more kids. Oh, no. No, please, please. <laughs> All right. See you next time. All right. Bye.